We're back again on a Wednesday. It is March 22nd, and we are continuing on in Deuteronomy. And last week we left off at around verse 25-26, so we're going to pick up there. So turn to Deuteronomy chapter 12. We had uh, Cameron and I went to the jail last night. We had a pretty good turnout. Uh, everybody that was on the list was there except for one. Uh, he had a visitor, so he went for the visit, and then the rest of them were there. So we were happy that the people uh, showed up that were on the list. And Cameron spoke last night. He was teaching on uh, using the Lord's name in vain, and he went uh, a, a very different angle than most people would, would do. And he was talking about doubting, you know, saying, basically saying that you are a Christian, but then doubting, and that, and that uh, uh, you say that the Lord has saved you and, and all this, and then you don't honor him in certain ways. You live a sinful life when you sh claim to be a Christian and how that is, that is using the Lord's name in vain. There's a lot of different ways that we can use the Lord's name in vain. It's diminishing his name. So it was a, it was a good message. We went to a bunch of different parts of the Bible. And uh, that is going well, the jail ministry. You know, it's funny how uh, some things there are very much the same as before, but then there's other things that are very different. And, you know, we, 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 we tell, because some of these guards are so new, they don't, they don't even know what room it is, where it is. When they get, they're told what room we're going to, and we're like, oh yeah, it's around the corner here. We'll take you there. So they're, they work there. And we're telling them how to get around. And uh, so it's kind of funny. So let's pick up. Uh, well, first let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time. Father, we can come together here at this place on a Wednesday night and, and get into your word. Father, we love your word. Father, we love you. You have done so much for us. And Father, we want to represent you well. We want your name to be holy. We want to lift your name up. And Father, we, we need to be clean and holy to represent you here on this earth. And Father, we're just asking that um, we, would, we want to know. Father, I, I pray that each and every one of us would have a prayer time where we ask you, what can we do for you today, Lord? And Father, that you would give us that divine appointment, those opportunities to where we can show people who, who you are and what you've done for, for us, for each and every one of us. Father, as we get into your word tonight, we pray that the Holy Spirit will help us, guide us, and show us the deep meaning of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. 20, uh, I think we left off at 26. Only thy holy things which thou hast and thy vows thou shalt take and go unto the place which the Lord shall choose. Let's see. I know we were in there somewhere, and I can't remember exactly. Um. That doesn't sound like a place I would have ended. Uh, 27, And thou shalt offer thy burnt offerings, the flesh and the blood, upon the altar of the Lord thy God, and the blood of thy sacrifices shall be poured out upon the altar of the Lord thy God, and thou shalt eat the flesh. Observe and hear all these words which I command thee, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, forever when thou doest that which is good and right in the sight of the Lord thy God. Maybe I'll stop there. That sounds like a good stopping point. So, 
28? Okay. Now, if you notice, when you took the firstlings, the, the, the first of the crops, the first of your oil, the first of your animals, and you were to take it to give it to the Lord, and then you ended up sacrificing it, and you ate it. You actually ate this. So, interesting to think of. Very interesting. Okay, let's continue. When the Lord thy God shall cut off the nations from before thee, whither thou goest to possess them, and thou succeedest them, and dwellest in their land, take heed to thyself that, to thyself that thou be not snared by following them. So he is warning that you could... The devil is setting a trap, and you could be caught, snared in that trap. And there's different ways that the devil will set up a trap to get you, your focus turned away from the one Lord and turned to these other things. There's all kinds of other things that you could turn toward that will take your attention away from God. So... Notice, just notice the wording. The words like snared by, by following them after that they be destroyed from before thee and that thou inquire, notice that, inquire not after their gods. So what, when I say, when you see that word inquire, what does that make you think of? We, you ever heard curiosity killed the cat? It's, that's, when, there are things in this world that we are curious of. That's, that's a downfall of a lot of people, but just curiosity. When, that's what started in the Garden of Eden. You can eat of every tree except that one right over there. It, it's, it's like being in a, in a daycare and telling the little, little toddlers, you can play with all these toys except for this one right here on this shelf. You can't have that one, but all the rest of them you can play with. And then leave the room and look through the glass window and watch what all, they all do. It won't take long, and their curiosity gets the best of them. Wonder why I can't play with that one over there. When they've got 25 others, Toys laying around that they are, they are free to play with. Curiosity. We have to be very... Yeah, and it's not just for the two-year-olds. It don't matter how old you get, you seem to be curious as to why I can't have that over there. Not after their gods. Saying, how did these nations serve their gods? So he's, he's telling them, you're going, to, you're going to want to inquire. You're, if you see one of their altars, and, and the wooden altar, or the pillars, the high places, these groves of trees, when you see these things, you're going to go, wonder why they did this. Wonder what made them do that. You start wondering, and then you're going to start asking these questions. How did these nations serve their gods? Even so, well, I do likewise. So you, if you start entertaining the way other people do things, then you may fall into that. 31, thou shalt not do so unto the Lord thy God for every abomination to the Lord which he hateth they, have they done unto their gods for even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. What thing soever I command you, observe to do it, thou shalt not add thereto, nor diminish from it. There's a, there's a verse right there. Again, we've already read it once before, early on in Deuteronomy, but do not add or take away from the word of God. What he has told you. Now, that, that uh, verse right before, 
For even their sons and their daughters they have burnt in the fire to their gods. Now what is that referring to? Molech? And there was another one, Shimon or something like that. So you had, the one was the, uh, just remember the two children of Lot. The two sons that came from Lot. And that would be who? Moab, right? And Ammon. Moab. So the, I believe it was the Moabites who had the, the god Moloch. And then the, the uh, Ammonites had the other one. It's, it's a C-H word that's, that is pronounced ka, uh, like chrysanthemum, ka. But, th- but those gods, and it's how they ever came up with it, it's just weird. But then you think about what we do today, even in this so-called greatest nation in the world, and how many babies are aborted every year. So when you look at the god of Molech, so they were almost all of these little g gods had something to do with sexual immorality. And they wanted to worship, they, they, they made it sound good that the fertility gods need to be worshipped so that you'll have more crops, your animals will produce more, and all of that. So Moloch was a big stone, it was, it was rather large, and the belly of Moloch, so he's sitting down with his arms stretched out, and this is a carved in stone man-looking creature, and his arms are, hold, are holding are like this. They're, they're laid out like you're going to hand him something. And the belly of this, this stone statue is hollow, and they could build a fire inside of that. So why would people bring their little babies, and they'd get the fire roaring, and they would toss their babies into the fire? Why? Why would anybody ever want to do that? Well, that festival that led up to the tossing the babies happened nine months before. So what was going on nine months before? So anything that was produced in that festival that they had, you can think of all the terrible things that were going on. If you had a baby from that festival... Nine months later, you, that, that meant that you were blessed by this fertility God and you had to return that to, the, to him. So they, all these babies would be screaming and being tossed into the fire. Now you understand why that was an abomination to God and how he did not want them to do that. Now, surely the nation of Israel would never do that. Yes, they did. And then I believe it was Josiah that cleaned it up And then Manasseh brought it back. He was was considered the worst king of all of the worst kings. I mean, there was a whole list of bad kings of Israel. And Manasseh was the worst because he brought that one back. Now we're in uh, chapter 13. So the first snare or the first thing that you're warned about is this curiosity. Now here's the second thing that he's warning you about. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass whereof he spake unto thee, saying, all right, now, that was one of the proofs Really, the main proof, if a prophet prophesied something and it came to pass, then you knew he was a, he was a real prophet. And if, he did, if what he prophesied didn't come to pass, you knew he was a false prophet. But he's saying here that even if a prophet who can do signs and wonders and some of the things that he tells you he prophesies about actually come to pass... And so he's measuring up really well. So we, what we can do is apply today. 
to today. You have a preacher who says all the right things, and he becomes very popular, an awesome personality, and everybody's drawn to him, but he's got something hidden in his life that you don't know about. And this prophet, going back to here, this prophet, uh, so after, after all of that, after doing the signs and wonders and actually having some things that he prophesied come to pass, and then he says, saying, let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. So he's, he's proven himself, but now he's trying to get you turned away from the true God to go after other things. Now, modern-day preachers do that. They don't come right out and say it like this, because then you would know. But it sounds like this is what this prophet is saying, but he's not actually just coming right out and saying it, but by the things he does and gets you off course, you, you could have someone today turn it into a name it and claim it, a prosperity message. And he uses all the scriptures to back up what he's telling you, and then you fall for it. It could be using the gift of healing abusively and creating a big, huge audience, and people will send you money from all over the world. And they get very, very rich, and we see it over and over again. So it's still happening today. And you get your eyes off of Jesus onto the man or the signs and wonders. And you, and you want the prosperity. I've been to those churches in the past when I was young. Not real young, but I, as a young adult. I've gone to those churches. I've been there. I've seen how they operate. And it's bad stuff goes on really bad stuff that we will not get into tonight. Verse 3 of chapter 13. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God, and fear Him, and keep His commandments, and obey His voice, and ye shall serve Him, and cleave unto Him. Don't allow curiosity to get you off in another direction. Do not even allow a preacher to get you off and turned away from the true word of the Lord. Be very, very careful who you listen to. Um, you know, I, I've told y'all many times that at the jail, I realized really quick, and this was a long time ago now, so it was 11 years, now it's been three years of not being able to go because of COVID, now we just started back this year. So 14 years ago, first starting to go there, I, there, there's weak souls that are locked up in jail, a lot of weak people. And they will cling to a person. They will view you, talking about somebody who would go in there and preach the word to them, teach them the Bible, they would start to be drawn to you. And I, ha I had to tell them, if you trust in me, I'm going to disappoint you. But I'm here to introduce you to someone who will never disappoint you. And that is Jesus Christ. Verse 5, And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. That's how serious it was. Now, when we find a false preacher, a false person that has become very famous and popular and very rich off of everybody, we, don't, we can't go grab them and put them to death, stone them to death, even though they, they might deserve it according to God. But God's going to deal with them. You know, we're, we're in this dispensation of grace now. We have to be willing to give grace. <clears throat> but back in this time, that preacher would be stoned to death. 
because he has spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the way which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So, thou sh- so, so shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. So anything that is evil, that is what we've read about right here, we've got to purge those things out of our lives. Today, with internet, being able to get on YouTube and TikTok and all these things that most of them I don't do at all, and I don't even know what's there, but just from YouTube, most of it is stuff to stay away from. You have got so many so-called religious, Christian-type people that are on YouTube that share videos. And you have to be very careful about who you listen to. So there'll be somebody, and the ones that are famous, the ones that have the they'll pop up on your, on your phone, your device, because they're very popular for some reason. You have to know who's good and search them to find the good ones. Now, once you find a good one that you can trust, then some others may pop up because they're in the same line as that one. But you're still going to get all kinds of trash. I found out that you can be very innocent in looking at a video on just fishing for bass. Or uh, this person, this, this popular video is about catching uh, yellowfin tuna. And I'm like, I've done that. I've been out on the boat and I've caught yellowfin tuna and this video is going to show some people catching yellowfin tuna. So you innocently go and you start watching and you start thinking, why would people want to watch videos? Why is it this popular? And then you see the woman in her bikini catching yellowfin tuna and then they're like, oh, that's why all these creepy men are watching this video. It all makes sense now. So that stuff is all over the place, and it's curiosity right away. All you got to see is that image of this woman with this fishing pole, and, and I'm curious. Most men are curious all of a sudden. And then they're drawn and then who knows what happens after that? You get you, you know, young men especially get get addicted to things on the internet. So curiosity and even true things, true things. And then they got something hidden that they want to catch you. They'll present all this true stuff. And all yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. That's the way the devil would be. The devil will tell you everything perfectly true except this one little tiny twisted thing. And you think, well, almost all of it was true. It was the devil. Wise up. So they've already forgot that God had brought them out of that bondage. When you see Egypt in the Old Testament like this right here, uh, this is verse 5. Verse 5 is very, very long uh, in chapter 13. And it, when you see Egypt, that represents the world. And we are in bondage to the world, and we need to be set free from that. And Jesus Christ has done that for us. So when we go back to the world, we're dishonoring our Lord and Savior. And redeemed you out of the house of bondage to thrust thee out of the ways. So that's what happened with all this. Okay. Now, here's the third thing, starting with verse 6. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, that's, that's being detailed. That's not just somebody you call brother because they happen to be a believer, but this is your actual brother, blood relative, or thy son, 
or thy daughter, or the wife of thy, of thy bosom. So this is somebody you married. Or thy friend, which is as thine own soul. So some, your bestest friend ever. Entice thee secretly, saying, let us go and serve other gods. Now obviously, they're not going to come right out and say, hey, let us go and serve other gods. But he's getting to the point here. The things that they do, you trust these people. They're your flesh and blood, or they're your, your husband or wife, and they are trying to draw you away from the one true God. Which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are round about you, nigh unto thee, or far off from thee, from the one end of the earth even unto the other end of the earth, thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thine eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare, neither shalt thou conceal him. Now, you would have pity on your own son or daughter. You would have pity on your, hopefully your wife or husband. Some of y'all read this next verse and say, all right, yeah, I'll turn them over. Uh, verse 9, But thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. So you're, and at this time, if you had a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister, any family member, even your wife or husband, if any of these people tried to steer you away from the one true God, you were supposed to call them out, bring them in front of the authorities, and you should be the one to cast the first stone, and then everybody else is supposed to cast stones as well. Remember, uh, well, we're in Deuteronomy. We haven't even got to Joshua, right? But it's okay that we know what's there. We're not playing the part. I was, I, I was at Williamsburg, and this young college girl was leading the tour through the government buildings, because that used to be the capital of Virginia, in Williamsburg. And we went through the, the government buildings there, and they, they had restored them to look exactly like they did back then. It was awesome. It was wonderful. And she was playing the part of that time period. So she was talking about certain laws that were passed. She was talking about, this is the courtroom right here, and if you, were, if you were found guilty of this particular crime, then you would be sent to the gallows. She said, it's, not, it's way over there. It's, it's, where the, it's where the DMV is now. And she's like, it's still the most dreaded place to go to this day. And she was asking questions about what so to see our knowledge of history, and somebody guessed something that had not happened yet, but yet, you know, she was playing the part. So she looked at him like, what are you talking about? And he was like, oh, oh, that's right, that, that, that's a few years later. And she's like, are you, are you uh, fortune-telling or something? And she's like, don't worry about it. Witchcraft is only a misdemeanor in Virginia. <clears throat> But she played the part beautifully. I mean, she was awesome. Awesome. So she, was, uh, she, she called herself a history geek. Um, and she, she uh, was dressed up and was all excited about all of it. So we can look forward and not be in trouble. We're not, we're not looking into the, or fortune-telling because we already know everything that's in this Bible. At least I hope you all all know. But... You know, you know the story of, of Jericho. Most everybody knows that story of walking around the walls and the walls fell down. And they were instructed to go in and to not take any of the spoil, which normally when you defeated a nation, you could take everything you wanted. But they said, don't take anything. And Achan took something and hid it. One person. One person. So what I want you to see is the thing, the, all of his things, all of his family members, his wife or wives, however many wives he had, and all of his kids, 
they all were gathered up and they were all stoned to death because of one man's sin and disobedience. So if there's somebody within the church, if, so apply it to today. We're not going to stone, don't get scared. We're not going to stone anybody. We don't do that now. We're in the dispensation of grace. So if, you, if you've heard bad things about dispensationalism and go, no, no, I don't, I'm not a dispensationalist, well, now you are. Because you agree with me that we shouldn't stone people who are fornicating, uh, stone people who are trying to lead us into uh, other things, getting us off course of living a godly life. We don't stone people for that now. And if you, if you agree with that, then you are a dispensationalist, whether you like the term or not. Which means that these verses that say, you shall turn them over and you should be the first one to kill them, and along with everybody else should join in. We don't do that today, right? But we see how serious it is that it's talked about in Deuteronomy. So Achan... If, if we had that same situation today, we wouldn't kill Achan and his kids like they did back then. They were under the dispensation of law, and God told them to handle it that way. So when you get into the dispensation of grace, and you bring this woman caught in adultery, caught in the very act, and you bring her to Jesus, and he's under the law. He was actually under the law when they brought her to him, and they said, uh, Jesus, the law of Moses says that we're supposed to stone her. And Jesus had to say, yep, you're right. Stone her. Let the person who has no sin in their life cast the first stone. And he didn't even watch. He, he was turned away. And they all started filing out one after the other and no one was able to cast that first stone. Dispensation of grace because of Jesus was coming in. But he couldn't stop them and say, no, no, no. He, he hadn't gone to the cross yet. He had not shed his blood yet. And he couldn't rightly say, no, we're under this new dispensation of grace. You're not allowed to stone her anymore. He had to because he was technically still in the dispensation of law. He said, you're right. She needs to be stoned. But then, in his brilliance, he knew exactly how to save her life and to convict all those other people that were sinners just like her. So Achan died. So the point of it is, is we could have one person in our church who is living a sinful, corrupt lifestyle. And we have to be very cautious about them bringing down our church. One person could destroy everything. But remember, we are in the dispensation of grace, and we have grace toward people, and we go to people and we help them out of their bad situations, and we try very hard to help people understand that they can walk away from those, those sinful things in their lives and walk with Christ. Are you born again or not? The Bible says that when we are truly born again, we are a new creature. And a new creature don't do the things you used to do before you were a new creature. So that's the... Uh, when you get over into Peter, second... Uh, it's it, I know it's in Peter when it talks about those, a pig that was washed, a dog going back to its vomit. That, that's the Proverbs. And the, the pig that was washed is the one that I want to use because the other one's too gross. So the pig, people say, see, you can lose your salvation because that pig was washed, washed of its sins and all that. It was still a pig is, is what we miss. So Charles Spurgeon, you read it in All of Grace. Charles Spurgeon, I believe it was chapter 7, he, he, he's talking, and I'm just doing this because there's some, a few new people, and then there's people who's going to listen to this. I know y'all have heard this story many times. But Charles Spurgeon talked about the difference between a 
just a professing Christian, someone who just says they're a Christian. They just say that they've been born again. He said they're like, they could be like a pig that has been, he takes it from Peter, that story, a pig that was washed and has, tur- has returned back to the mire. So he used that Bible illustration to come up with an illustration for us, which is back in the 1800s, and he said, that, so you take somebody, you share the gospel with them, and they know that their lifestyle is bad and is causing bad things, and they want to do better, and they, 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 they join up. Yeah, I think I'll join up your, in your club. So they get all washed up, and they look pretty, like a pig, clean them up, put a bow in their hair, put a little perfume on them, and bring them in, and everything's wonderful. Oh, look at that little pig. It's so clean. But then that pig could go right back out into the world and be, go back to the mire and be comfortable there because it was just a cleaned-up pig. But a, a, a pig that has been miraculously made into a new creature, he said, would be like that pig turning into a cat. So now it's not just a washed-up pig, it's a new creature, and that cat could go back out into the world, and it could fall off the log into the mud, but it would get right out real quick, very quickly, and want to clean itself off because it can't stand the mud. Why? Because it's a new creature. So if you're a new creature in Christ, when you, if you fall back into your sinful ways, you are immediately wanting to get out of it and to clean yourself off. That that is disgusting. See the difference of just being a cleaned up pig or being a new creature in Christ. And I think that's where most people who argue over once saved, always saved, or you can lose this this, uh, Christian walk that you're on, they don't understand that most people are in that stage of just being washed up. They're trying to get it. They're trying to have that moment of, wow, a new creature in Christ. I don't know how many times I have heard people say that they thought they were saved and they were doing really good in life. And they then one, so they think they're saved. And then four years after thinking they were saved, they go to a revival or some, something happens and they hear a message and they come up and, and they're different. They're so different. And they realized that that's the day they really truly got saved, that they were a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things have become new. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And if you get to that point and you're actually a new creature, you're not going to lose it. You can't lose your salvation. There's nothing in this world that could cause you to lose it. But can you leave it? That's the big argument. Can you leave it? You can't lose it. Nobody can take it away from you. But, so you're basically going to get back to the question, were they ever truly saved? We don't know. So you could say, well, once saved, always saved, and if you are really, truly a new creature in Christ, God's got all this whole list of things that He will do to keep you in the faith. And the last thing on the list is to turn your body over to Satan so he can kill you. What more can you ask for? I mean, he, he, uh, the prayer of the saints, prayers of other people, all of your church... Uh, family, they're, they're praying for you, they're telling you which way you're going the wrong way, because we're told in Scripture that it's what we've been doing in, in Hebrews on Sundays. If you get into sin, it sounds like he's talking to believers, people who are in the church, people who had made a profession of Christ as Savior, and you was to get off into sin then if, you, if that sin is left unchecked, then you can start to have a hardened heart. And it could lead you out of doing anything good for God. It could. So I think of Lot. You've know, got Abraham and Lot. Lot decided to go into the cities. He was vexed. His soul was vexed by the filthiness that was going on in that city. 
it, but it had, he had lost all of his whole family. They were all corrupt. And he was, he was called righteous, but he has nothing to show for it. That's somebody that probably went into heaven with no rewards whatsoever. But at least he went into heaven. He was called righteous. We'll see him one day there if we're truly born again and we go there. So that's what I think of as a person who's truly saved and then they just get caught up into things and they, we, people will say they're a backslider and they backslide and backslide and they might become of no use to God and they're barely saved. If you can say barely saved, you know, it's like she's, they're kind of pregnant. I, you know, it's, it's one of those deals. If you get in, you get in. That's the most important thing. But don't you want to go in with rewards and most importantly, don't you want to be able to impact all of your loved ones so they go with you? And if you're not a holy, clean Christian that is following God's ways, you're using the Lord's name in vain, and you are going to maybe just you get into heaven, but you didn't bring anybody with you. And that would be uh, just a shame, a terrible shame. That's why this stuff is so important. Okay, uh, now, I mean, how many of us could do this? But we're, since we don't actually have to kill them, going back to our son, daughter, best friend, wife, husband, we don't have to punish them to death, but we do need to bring them out in front of the church and say, this dear friend of mine is trying to get me to whatever. They're, or they're, they're into this. They're, 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 do, in, they're uh, doing these things that are not godly, and we need to get this person right. We're supposed to do this. And we're not supposed to have pity on them just because they're your daughter or your son or your best friend. You're supposed to call them out and we're, and we're supposed to do that so that others will fear. That's in Timothy. Okay. Uh, so all the people, that's verse 9, 10, And thou shalt stone him with stones that he die, because he hath sought to thrust thee away from the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. They're saying it, saying it all over again. And all Israel, Israel shall hear and fear and shall do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. So if you go over to Timothy and today, apply this to today, in Timothy Paul says that in the church, if someone is doing this, they are to be called out in front of the whole church and reprimanded for what they're doing so that everybody can hear and everybody can fear God and not want to do what that other person was doing. Now, I've heard of that happening, especially in Baptist churches, and people hate the pastor because they called somebody out in front of hundreds of people. But Timothy says to do it. And right here is an example in the Old Testament in this transitional book of Deuteronomy where you're supposed to do that. Sounds tough. Sounds really tough. If thou shalt, this is 12, if thou shalt hear, say in one of thy cities, which the Lord thy God hath given thee to dwell there, saying, certain men, the children of Belial, are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their city, saying, now that's, is that the fourth thing? What was the first thing? Curiosity. The second thing was prophets that had proven themselves to be legit. And the third thing was your very own family members. And now, the masses. All, everybody else is doing it. Remember, throughout the Bible, the majority is always wrong. In most things in life, the majority is usually wrong. But in the Bible, they, how many spies got sent into the promised land? Twelve, one from each tribe. And when they all came back, 
Now, we need to go with the majority. Whatever the majority says, they're right. Ten had a very fearful report. Two said, yeah, everything they're saying is true, but God's on our side, and it's ours. Now, that was acting in faith. But the ten, if everybody followed what the ten wanted to do, you're going the wrong way. But following what the two said, Caleb and Joshua, they're the only ones out of all those people that made it into the promised land. Everybody else died, even Moses. But Joshua and Caleb, they went in. So this part right here is talking about the fourth thing that we got to be careful of is, uh, starting with 12, if thou shalt hear say in one of thy cities which the Lord thy God hath given thee to dwell there, saying, Certain men and children of Belial are gone out from among you and have withdrawn the inhabitants of their cities, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which ye have not known. And again, they're not going to come right out and say that, but there's all kinds of ways that they could do this to you. And this is just simplifying it. Then, thou shalt, then shalt thou inquire and make search, and ask diligently, and behold, if it be truth, and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought among you, thou shalt surely smite the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly, and all that is therein, and the cattle thereof which with the edge of the sword. And you're supposed to gather up all the spoil and burn it with fire, and God will not allow that city to be uh, rebuilt. All right, we're so close to the end of 13. Let's, we might as well finish it. We're not on overtime yet, so let's, let's hurry up and finish this. All right, uh, 15. Thou shalt surely smite the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, destroying it utterly, and all that is therein, and the cattle thereof and the, with the edge of the sword. And thou shalt gather all the spoil of it in the midst of the street thereof, and shalt burn with fire the city and all the spoil thereof every whit for the Lord thy God. And it shall be an heap forever. It shall not be built again. Well, that just doesn't make sense. Why not clean it all up and start over again? Well, God wants this city that the masses, the majority... They're all, they're all doing it. Why not? Why not? Uh, all right. He wants you to go in and destroy it completely and leave the heap there for everybody to see from this day forward. To be reminded of what happens to those who try to steer you away from the one true God. And there shall cleave naught of the cursed thing to thine hand that the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger and show thee mercy and have compassion upon thee and multiply thee as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, when thou shalt hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God to keep all his commandments which I command thee this day to do that which is right in the eyes of the Lord thy God, which is the opposite of Every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's how all this started. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And now this is the perfect finish for chapter 13. 13, apostasy and rebellion. 13, it ends with that which is right in the eyes of the Lord thy God. Amen. <clears throat> now, the numbers in the Bible, all of the verses, all the chapters and verses were put in many, many years later after all of this was written. And God, in his foreknowledge, in my opinion, made it to where chapters and verses fell exactly where they needed to. As far as the number, you got, remember, remember verse 5, how long it was? That should have been logically, humanly logically thinking, that should have been divided up. 
There should have been at least one more verse in this chapter. But God didn't want it that way. So people will say, well, all these verses and chapters, they were added in later and blah, 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 blah. But there are so many examples of... Look at Genesis 10, 10 sometimes. 10 is the number of completeness and Gentile nations, uh, the 10 spies that came back, the 10 guys that came back and had a bad report. It's human dwelling on this earth. 10 is the completeness of that. So our numbers, 0 through 9, 10 digits make up our number system. It's, that completes it, then it starts over again. It's multiples of 10. So, if you go back to 10.10, Genesis 10.10, the very first, it's going to to be the story of Babel and the building of the tower and those types of things. The first time the worldly thought up, we're going to build a tower so tall that even if God floods us again, we'll be up above it. How many people are getting in that tower? Very few. But there was one guy who thought he was better than everybody else that said, I'm going to build a tower, and if I, I know I'm going to do a bunch of bad stuff, and God might flood the whole earth again, at least I can get up in that tower and get above the floodwaters. But ten. So, Isaiah. I can just see Isaiah wanting to write, and the angel bringing words to Isaiah, and, he's, and then God's like, no, 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 don't, don't tell him that yet. Well, why not? It seems like it would be... No, no, no. That's because one day, men are going to assign chapters and verses to this. And that's got to be verse 66. You know, it's got to be chapter 66. It has to be... That's got to be seven. I can just see God doing that. And it would be no big deal to Him. But we're going to get to heaven one day, and we're going to look back on all this and go... I thought, I, I was blown away by what I saw. And then you're going to see what he sees, and you are going to be blown away. And then you're going to go, why am, I, why am I, this is God we're talking about. I shouldn't be surprised at all. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. And Father, I pray that each and every person that has heard this word will be blessed by it and more able to go out and do this great commission that you have called us to do. Help us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.